Today our scripture lesson comes from Jesus' little brother James, uh, nicknamed James the Just. And so if you'll join in the scripture with me from James chapter 1. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Emotions compete for control of our mouths and our moods. Nobody you love or loves you wants anger to get the best of you. You want your family to get the very best of you, of your life, of your time, of your joy, of your love. And if anger is getting the best of you, well, your family is not. Whoever said that time heals all wounds, well, they must have never been wounded very badly. Let's face it, emotions don't just fix themselves over time. It takes some work, and we're going to get to that work today. So if you've been intentionally hurt or had something taken from you, you've experienced anger. And when our emotions take control, things get out of control. Nowhere do we see this more clearly than with the emotion of anger. My name is Mark Foster. I'm the founding senior pastor of the people known as Acts 2 United Methodist Church. And today we are in the middle of our sermon series, All the Feels when emotions get the best of us. And if you've missed any of the messages, you can find them on our YouTube channel or on our website. So let's take a moment to see uh, what led up to today's message. Today we come to anger. All the feels when emotions get the best of us. And anger is one of those emotions you absolutely cannot afford to get the best of you. As a way of introduction, we want to remember what God cares about most, and that is our hearts. What God cares about is not our religiosity and not about whether we pray standing up or kneeling down or with our hands folded just so. Whether we read out of a certain kind of Bible uh, or translation or whether we pray this time of day or whether we're an early riser or whether we like to do our Bible study at night. It's none of that. It's about your heart. And the wisdom literature in Proverbs says this, Above all else, friends, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything. Everything comes out of the essence of who you really are, your heart. That's the way the Bible describes it. So in week one, we remember that what we say and what we do exposes our heart. What we place in our minds, what we place in our souls, who we become. All of that, particularly in these times of pandemic and stress, when that gets shaken, when that gets squeezed, that comes up and out of us. And our prayer is that that would be the things of God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these good things, the fruits of the Spirit living inside of us. But if your life is like mine, it's not always like that. Sometimes fear or anger or guilt or envy can pop out when I least expect it. Maybe you have some experience with that as well. So Jesus says this in Matthew 15. He says, what comes out of the mouth, what comes out of our lives, proceeds from the heart, who we really are. And this is what causes us problems with God and with others. This is what defiles us, what separates us, right? Because we'll say things like, well, I don't know where that came from. And Jesus will say, well, I do. It came from your heart because that's what's been placed inside of you. That's what you've allowed in your life. So week two, we went a little deeper. And this time we looked at guilt. Guilt is good. Can you believe that? Your pastor actually said that. Guilt is good when it leads to action. It's like pain is the body. Guilt is to your soul. It's supposed to lead us to action. But yet it's destructive when it lingers and it leads to shame. Shame is no good. 
Guilt says that was bad. Shame says I'm bad. And God says, no, you're good, very good, fearfully and wonderfully made. In week three, we looked at envy. And that is a, a very tricky emotion because envy ruins relationships and it is a waste of your life. Because envy is a waste of your time and your time is your life. So friends, don't lose your life. Don't miss the life that God has for you by looking at everyone else's. That's just a waste of your life. Ecclesiastes 4 says this in the wisdom literature. Then I saw that all work and all skill and work come from one person's envy of another. It's been like that for 3,000 years. This is also vanity and a chasing after the wind. It's silly. It's meaningless. It's not worth your time. So, guilt, envy, they're problems. I love the way Amanda Palmer puts it when she talks about emotions. She gets right to it. She says, if you don't deal with your demons, they go into the cellar of your soul and lift weights. Oh, wow, that is pointed. And man, is that true with anger. You don't want anger to get in the cellar of your soul because it will mess you up. Today, we're going to take a look at tackling anger and having it in its right place in our lives and, and no more. So this week, we need to get honest. We need to get real and just say all of us have some level of anger in us. We all do. That may look differently in your home or my home and my life and your life, but we all have some anger in our life. We just need to own that. So the writer uh, to Ephesians, many people think that was Paul uh, writing to a church that he had started there. Uh, it says this, so then putting away falsehood, right? We have to be truth tellers. Let all of us speak the truth to our neighbors. And that can be difficult for we are members of one another. Got to tell the truth. And then it says this, be angry. Now, don't mishear this. Don't hear what the Bible's not saying. It's not saying you should be angry or let's get angry. No, it says this, look, you're going to be angry. When, when you are in truth telling with your neighbors, some of that's going to sting. And sooner or later, you're going to be angry. So go ahead and be angry, but do not sin. Do not let that anger mess up your life. And anger is a problem for everybody. In our country, most people report being angry from several times a day to several times a week. Friends, America is an angry place these days. The number of people reporting that they are angry in our country has tripled in the last few years. Maybe it's the election cycle. Maybe it's the pandemic. Maybe it's a sense of helplessness with all of it. But if you've driven around town this week, folks are driving like they just don't care about you or anyone else around them. They are angry drivers. Maybe you've uh, been the recipient of that. Maybe you are an angry driver. But before we think that anger has no place at all, James Averill, a psychology professor at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, has some praise for anger, actually. Averill was a gentle soul. Uh, he's written about uh, in The Atlantic. He says this is the kind of man who once returned to a grocery store to apologize to a cashier after becoming annoyed over some miscounted change. But he was convinced that his academic colleagues misunderstood anger. He said everyone basically thought that anger was something that mature people in societies ought to suppress. We don't ever want to suppress any of God's good emotions. He also said that anger is one of the densest forms of communication. Anger conveys more information. I mean, think about it. Isn't that true? When, when your child, when your teenager blows up at you, you're like, oh, I get it. I, yes, there's a lot of information there. And, and 
than really any other type of emotion. And it does an excellent job of forcing us to listen to and confront problems we might otherwise avoid. It gets our attention. It gets us to move. And other researchers have also found something very interesting about anger. When we look at the brains of people who are expressing anger, they look a lot alike to the people who are experiencing happiness. It's all in the same brain center. And that is tricky. So when we become angry, it can be addictive like being happy. And when we become angry, we also feel like we're taking control even when we're not. We feel like we're getting power over something. And it can feed on itself over and over. You can shout at somebody in your car and you feel good like, yeah, take that. And another thing, oh yeah, and your blinker's not working. You know, you, you can really get into something like that. So, being angry can make you feel like you are in control even when you are not. I love the wisdom from Ambrose Bierce. Uh, he was a newspaper writer uh, back in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. He says this, and man, is this true. Speak when you are angry, and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. Isn't that true? The best speech you will ever regret. Because you think you're in control. You think you're on a roll. You think you've got it. And the next thing you know, you are in trouble. And here's another challenge of anger. We're more likely to perceive people who express anger as competent, as powerful, and the kinds of leaders who will overcome challenges. But here's the problem with anger, friends, and you know this. You will be angry, but don't let it make you stupid. Because when we get angry and we get flushed, blood leaves our head. It it keeps us confused and unable to even think or find the right words. Because the blood has gone from your head to your arms and your legs so that you can run and get out of there. That's what happens with the fight or flight mentality. So you will be angry, but don't let it make you stupid. Yes, you will be angry, but don't let it linger. Don't ruminate on it. When you're wounded or that coworker or that person in your home said something cutting or hurting to you or you felt disrespected, don't linger. If you find yourself going back to it, you need to do something differently. You need to either get distracted or go take a walk or do something else because you don't want to get a good mad on and get yourself in trouble and lose your life. Don't let anger get the best of you. So again, back to Ephesians, it says this, do not let sun go down on your anger. Yes, you're going to get angry, but you don't have to let it hang out. You don't have to let it win. Don't let it get the best of you. Because prolonged anger leads to destruction of you and everyone around you. The Bible goes even further. It says this, and do not make room for the devil. I don't know how you view the devil, but however you look at it, it's not good. Because if you let anger hang out in your home, what happens next, what it can lead to, is a desire for revenge, punishment, and pain that puts us in conflict with God. Because God is not a God of punishment. God is a God of reconciliation. We see that in Luke 15. God is not a God of pain unless it is to move us for our good. God is not a God of revenge, but again, of reconciliation, of grace, of forgiveness, of mercy. And so when this stuff takes root in our life, we are in trouble, friends. It doesn't just hurt those outside of us. It actually hurts us on the inside. Duke Medical School at Duke University says this, that anger can harm your health. It will harm your cardiovascular health. 
your endocrine system, and your neurological health. These are proven over and over and over again. And so again, if anger is getting the best of you, your family is not. It can take your health, it can take your relationships, it can take your job. And just think about your life for a moment. If you've lost a job, or you know someone who has, isn't that most often after an outburst of anger? Something you've said online, something you've did, um, some type of anger actually blew your life up? This is important stuff, friends. And you might say, well, no, 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 no. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Hey, I'm cool, you know. But friends, there are different types of anger. Not everybody experiences anger in the same way. Some people, uh, and I have this in my family, some people have what's known as extroverted anger. It's a lot of bluster. It's up and out. It's shouting. It's yelling. It's throwing things. All that kind of stuff. Big anger. And you say, well, yeah, I don't have any of that. Well, no, that's not how I normally am. I have the gift of pouting, where I can be silent or stony or give a glare or clench my teeth and, and, and withdrawn. See, there's lots of ways to be angry. You can have anger being an extrovert. You can have anger being an introvert. And then there's another one that's tricky. And it might be good, but it might not. It's really hard to tell. And that is what Andy Stanley calls crusader anger. And crusader anger is when somebody needs to do something about this. When you see an injustice, when you see a wrong, and you feel compelled to make it right. And that sometimes can be really good, really strong, really helpful. But you've got to be careful. Because this anger is concerned with what others are not getting that they need. Things like food. We should be angry about that, upset about that, work against that. Right? That, that we should help people get food if they need it medical care, and justice. And so we see this and we work towards that. But those are actions. And here's the thing that's so tricky about this. When we start this work and we have what we think of as righteous anger, as something that we are in the right, we also then sort of are making this illusion that the others are wrong. And and so you can work against an injustice. You can work to feed people. You can work to get people medical care without demonizing others. And that can be really hard to do. I remember being in class with Dallas Willard in 2009, and he said this to our class. He said, if there is such a thing as righteous anger, I've never seen it. And then he said this, all anger thinks itself righteous at the time. Isn't that true? Whenever whenever you've become angry about something, haven't you always thought that you were in the right, at least in the first few moments? And maybe over the day or maybe after you've slept on it, you've come to realize that you had a part to play. Or maybe it's taken you years or decades to look back and go, wow, I was really upset about that. And wow, that was at least half my fault. You see, wisdom starts with owning your piece of the anger pie. Owning your piece of the problems that you have in your life. So here's some wisdom from the Bible. I pray it helps you. It's helped me. The Bible says this, listen first. Friends, oh my goodness, listen first. And listen to lots of voices, you know, lots of different voices, not all just in your echo chamber. Really listen, really, really listen. And then be slow to speak and slow to anger because God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That's what the scripture tells us. And James, Jesus' little brother, he says this, 
You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, right? So he juxtaposes this. Quick and slow, slow. So what would be quick to do? Listen, slow to speak. Make sure you understand before you open your mouth. Slow to anger. Why? Well, the scripture says because your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Look at the way James says it. He says, your anger, again, he's juxtaposing the way we are and the way with God. The way we are, our anger, it doesn't produce God's righteousness. God produces God's righteousness. We, we struggle to do that. Only God living in us produces God's righteousness in the world. So we have to have God residing in us with the fruits of the Spirit residing in us and then trust God with the results of that life. And then James goes on, he says this, Therefore, rid yourselves... Now, this is, really, this is really powerful language. Rid yourselves means like you've got super stinky, nasty clothes on and throw them off. Get them off of you as fast as you can, right? Rid yourselves. Throw your garments off. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. Because when anger hangs out, wickedness is shortly to follow. So you're going to throw off those dirty clothes, anything that could possibly grow wickedness in you just got to get it off of you. Get it away from you. As far away as you can, as fast as you can. Because that anger can ruin your life. On the other side, it is meekness. And it's humility. That is the power of Jesus. That has the power to save your soul. It is meekness and the humility of Jesus. That has the power to save your soul. So in James 1.21 it says this. And welcome with meekness, humility, the implanted word, Jesus, coming to live in you, that has the power to save your souls. Friends, think about this. Jesus living in you, his humility is what is the power to save your soul. It can't be about self-centeredness. It can't be about arrogance. It can't be about pride. All of that will ruin your life. It's about humility and other-centeredness. And Jesus coming to live in you that brings life and joy and peace. You see, humility is so powerful and so rare. Andy Stanley says it like this. Humility is so powerful, but humility is not natural. It's just not. My parents love to tell what they think is a funny story on me. I don't think it's so funny. But when I was little, uh, this is a photo of me when I was about six. Uh, So this is around uh, 1974. And uh, I was in kindergarten there. And uh, at that time... Uh, on Sunday afternoons, we would go to Furs Cafeteria. I don't know if you've ever been to Furs Cafeteria, but there are all kinds of things there. Um, all kinds of entrees and desserts and rolls and drinks. I mean, you name it, they had it. And so I don't know. I was four, five, six, very young. And I just became enamored with all of this food and that there were servers that would actually bring it to you on these cool little plates. Every single entree had its own plate, and I just was losing my mind about this. And so my dad asked for something, and they brought it. And then my mom asked for something, and they brought it. And my my sister asked for something, and they brought it. And then I just, I guess, was overcome. And I stood up on on the booth chair, and I clapped my hands, and I said, Servant! Servant! And they were embarrassed at the arrogance and the pride, no humility whatsoever, that somehow I thought I was a big deal and and these people were my servants. I don't have any clue how I got that or what I'd been watching on TV to get that idea, but it was super embarrassing to them. 
And because I really don't want to take responsibility for any of that, even at six, I would like to blame Burger King. Because when I was that age, in 1974, they came out with a commercial that said this. They taught young Mark and all of you these words. Have it your way. Have it your way. Have it your way at Burger King. And then it cut to this family of four, mom and a dad and a daughter and a son. And he said, hey, I want two Whoppers and two Junior Whoppers. And if it wouldn't be too much or if it wouldn't take you too long, I'd like you to hold the pickles and hold the lettuce on this one. And the lady grabs the microphone where you talk into the orders and she sings. She goes, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders, don't upset us. All we want is to serve it your way. And then the family walks off. They're so happy. And the dad says this. That's the way we do it. We have it our way. Yeah, that's the way we do it. We have it our way. And that is the song I have grown up with for more than 40 years. Have it your way. Make sure it goes your way. Everybody around you is to serve you, to please you, to help you, to get you exactly what you want. And that is the problem with our culture. Because where does anger come from, friends? Well, it comes from not getting our way. But first, before we get there, just know this, that anger is a what, not a who. Now, I know what you're saying. No, 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 no. When my daughter does this, I'm about to lose my mind. When my son does that, I'm about to lose my mind. When my kids are fighting in the back seat when I'm trying to drive, I'm going to lose my mind. It's a who. When my wife says this, when my husband says that, when my mom comes over and she critiques our home, or when my dad comes over and he critiques our parenting, it is a who. No, friends, it's a what. It's not a who. If it was a who, it would have come and gone with that who, but it's not a who, it's a what. And James says it like this. He says, those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? Yep, that's, that's where they come from. Because you want something and do not have it. That's where anger comes from. It's really that simple. You want something, you don't have it. So you commit murder and you covet something, you cannot obtain it. So you engage in disputes and conflicts. You want something, you can't have it, you get angry. Anger happens when our will is thwarted. It's really that simple. When we don't get what we want. And this is a problem, friends, because God opposes the proud. But gives grace to the humble. Friends, humble yourself. And God will give you everything you need. Humble yourself and God will lift you up. God will raise you up. God will exalt you. The scripture continues. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Will you say humility with me? Humility. Regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God. Friends, Jesus is God himself. God walking the earth. And Jesus did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. No, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, just like we are, and being found in human form. He humbled himself. What did Jesus do? He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And look what God did. Therefore, God highly lifted him up. He exalted him. He highly exalted him. This is great news. This is the good news of God, that Jesus came to earth, lived perfectly, was perfectly obedient to God in ways that we've never seen before or since. 
And because that's true, you can invite God to live in you. You can have Jesus living in you right now, right here today, have power that you cannot have without him to live a humble life. Now, this may be a little much, but I, I want to share it with you. All these words have something in common. They all end in I-A-N-S. Maybe you know these words. Mathematicians, documentarians, Christians, diagnosticians. Friends, all these words in some way mean the same thing. When they end in I-A-N-S, it means that these people can do math. These people can make documentaries. These people follow the way of Christ, do the things that he did, says the same things that he said, acts the way he acted. These people can make diagnoses like these folks do. That's what this means. If we are going to be so bold as to claim the name of Christ, as to be the people who say we do what he does, then we must humble ourselves. Let anger go on by and trust God to lift us up, to exalt us as he exalted Jesus to raise us up and to give us a place at his table, at his discretion, at his invitation, in his timing, in his love, in his forgiveness, in his mercy, in his grace. Not condemnation, not anger, certainly not rage, but love. Friends, we're not going to let anger get the best of us. We're going to trust that God will get the best of us and share that with the world. The way we do that. Here are our action steps this week, friends. Appreciation. You want to stop being so angry? Stop and appreciate others. Appreciate what God has done. Count your blessings. Affiliation. Affiliate with people who are people of peace. People who work towards peace. People who work towards justice. People who are kind. People who are forgiving and merciful to you. People who are kind to you. Not people who are angry. Aspiration. Aspire to be like Christ. That, that you would humble yourself, that you would be like him. And then we'll trust God with the results to raise us up in his time. And then if you have you've been wounded, as we all are at some times, feel free to distract yourself. Do something different. When that hurt, when that pain, when that rage starts to come back in your mind, take a walk. Do something different. You know, pet your puppy. Something. But allow yourself to be distracted from the rage and the anger that so closely resides at hand. And then take action. If there's something you're really upset about, there's something that you're not getting that you want that you really do need to be understood or respected or heard, then simply say that out loud. Take action. Help someone in need. Make a difference in the world. And then finally, limit exposure to toxic people, toxic places, toxic environments, things that will trigger you. And so if there's someone that's always angry in your life, you might need to limit your time with that person. If there's a certain news channel that always makes you angry, don't watch that news channel. If there's a certain sort of music that makes you angry and not peaceful, well, choose peaceful. Limit your exposure. And then finally, friends, I want to invite you to try something uh, that Andy Stanley recommends, and uh, I think it might bless you. So I just want you to try it. Say out loud with me, you know what part of the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. Will you try that with me? Say it out loud. You know what part of the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. So the next time you are in a big conversation, you're in an argument, you're in a conflict with somebody, just stop. It'll really wig them out. You just simply say, hey, you know what? Part of the problem, not all the problem, but part of the problem is I'm not getting what I want. 
what I really want is for you to hear me about this, or what I really want is to get some food because I'm super hungry and now I'm hangry. Whatever it is, you simply stop the conversation and you say, you know, you know what? Part of the problem is I'm not getting what I want. And I'm going to own my piece of the problem. I'm going to own my piece of the argument pie or the angry pie. And, and maybe somebody else will. And here's, here's the thing. If you're about to be in an argument or you are in one, the most mature person goes first every time. You can be that mature person. You can be the bigger person. The most mature person has to go first because the other one won't. And you simply say, you know what? I, I just need to stop for a moment and just, just be honest. Part of the problem is I'm not getting what I want here. And I just need to be honest about that. I hope you'll let me know how you're doing with it. And may God bless you as you get your life back. Don't let anger get it. Don't let anger get the best of you. Let God and your family and your friends get the very best of you. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.